from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey y'all, Eve's here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. These are coming from the TDIHC vault, so you'll also hear two hosts. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class. It's July 9th. The Constitutionalist Revolution of 1932 began in Brazil on this day. It's also called the Paulista Rebellion of 1932 and the Sao Paulo Revolution of 1932, and it all started with a contested election. At this point, Brazil was essentially a collection of mostly autonomous states, and a lot of the political strife that came up came from conflicts among these states. In this particular case, the major players were the state of Sao Paulo on one side and the Liberal Alliance on the other. The Liberal Alliance was made up of three different states. There was Rio Grande do Sul, Paraíba, and Minas Gerais. Sao Paulo had been the most dominant power in Brazil for a long time. A lot of the other states were getting tired of Sao Paulo's continual dominance. The Contested election that sparked all of this was the presidential election that was conducted on March 1st of 1930, so a couple of years before. The candidates were Julio Prestes of Sao Paulo and Getulio Vargas, who was the governor of Rio Grande do Sul. Vargas was running as the reform candidate, and Prestes had the endorsement of the sitting president, who was also from Sao Paulo. 
Prestes won the election, but Vargas contended that this result was fraudulent. He also thought that Brazil had become an oligarchy. And this whole period of time was incredibly contentious beyond just this one election. In addition to several people being killed in election-related violence, there were also about 100 people, more than that most likely, who were killed in various acts of political violence over the three years that were leading up to this point. So after this contested election, Vargas's running mate was assassinated on July 26th of 1930, and then an uprising started in October with a coup d'etat on October 24th. About 100 people were killed in this wave of violence as well, and after the coup, Vargas was appointed the interim president. Vargas suspended Brazil's constitution. He started trying to move Brazil from this federation of autonomous states to a nation that had more centralized power. And a lot of people in the military, especially people who were not as young in the military, really objected to what he was doing. They started to hatch a lot of conspiracies against him. And also the elite in Sao Paulo resented the fact that Sao Paulo had lost so much power. Among these elite were actually descendants of Confederates who had fled the United States after the Civil War and then relocated to Brazil, and they joined on the side of this rebellion as well. A military faction of people from Sao Paulo started planning to overthrow this provisional government. These were known as the Paulistas. That was a nickname in general for people from Sao Paulo. And they also called themselves the Constitutionalists because they wanted to overthrow this provisional government and establish a new Brazilian constitution. The Paulistas scheduled a revolt for July 14th of 1932. But the general who was leading them, General Bertoldo Klinger, was not particularly secretive about what he was trying to do. He wound up being relieved of his command on July the 8th. And at that point, the people who were plotting moved up the date of their rebellion to the following day, with Klinger still the one in charge. They had a plan that involved several other states coming and rising up with them, but those states never did. And in fact, most of them wound up joining the opposite side. Fighting in this conflict went on for 87 days. Klinger proposed a ceasefire on September 29th, and their revolution ended on October 2nd. It's still unclear today how many people died in the fighting, but the number is probably in the thousands. Women were also a huge part of this uprising. They made hundreds of thousands of uniforms for the Paulistas. They did extensive work as nurses and in logistics. They distributed food. In some cases, they also fought alongside the men. And as is so often the case, this revolution could not have continued without their work. Maybe a little erroneous to call it a revolution, since it wasn't ultimately successful, but it is the name that it's most often known by. Vargas remained in power for most of the next two decades. Sometimes he was a dictator. Sometimes he was a duly elected president, either elected by the Congress or elected by the people. That time, though, continued to be really tumultuous. There were other revolts following that one in 1932. And although Vargas is credited with a number of reforms, including giving more people in Brazil the right to vote, including women, he's also sometimes criticized as basically just being a dictator and doing whatever he wanted without the backing of any other part of the government. Thanks to Eves Jeffcoat for her research on this podcast and to Tari Harrison for her audio work on all these episodes. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tomorrow, you can tune in for the birthday of one of the internet's very favorite figures.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. The day was July 9, 1918. At 7.20 in the morning, two trains from the Nashville, Chattanooga, and St. Louis Railway crashed into each other. The head-on collision killed 101 people and injured 171 people, though some of those injured may have died later. Since the train cars were segregated and the front cars were the ones for Black people, most of the people killed in this wreck were Black. In the 19th and early 20th centuries, train-related deaths and injuries were not uncommon. The railroad industry was host to a lot of hazardous conditions. It was dangerous to couple and decouple train cars. Trains derailed and crashed, and bridges collapsed. Accidents and the treatment of victims was such an issue in the industry that railroads had their own medical organizations. Though railroad companies largely opposed increased safety regulations, by the late 19th century, the government did institute acts that made working and riding on a train safer, like requiring powered brakes. These changes led to less passenger and employee injuries and deaths, but they did not completely rid the industry of accidents. On July 9, 1918, the number one express train on the Nashville, Chattanooga, and St. Louis Railway left Memphis around midnight, set to arrive in Nashville around 7.10 a.m. The number four usually left Nashville at 7 in the morning. 
Typically, the trains would pass each other in an area between Nashville and shops where there were double tracks. Most of the cars were wooden on the number one, and all of the cars were wooden on the number four. The Jim Crow cars were at the front of each train. If anything changed in the train schedules, then the number four would wait on the double tracks until the number one train passed, since it had priority as an inbound train to Nashville. And on this day, both trains were delayed. The number four waited on the double tracks for the number one to pass. Another train did pass around 7.15 a.m., but it was a switch engine, not the number one. The conductor assumed it was the number one and proceeded to continue onto the single track before the number one had arrived. The operator at shops and the dispatcher soon realized the train began moving before it was supposed to, and the crew at shops set off the emergency whistle. But the number four just accelerated. By the time the crews on each train saw one another near a stretch of track called Dutchman's Curve, it was too late. They collided going about 50 miles or 80 kilometers per hour. The engineers and stokers in the locomotives were immediately killed in the impact. The front cars on both trains were crushed, and the scene was horrifying. Nurses and doctors came to the wreck to help, and the Red Cross's Nashville chapter also showed up. The injured were taken to City Hospital and Vanderbilt Hospital, and the wreck was cleared from the railroad tracks so that trains could continue operating. After the wreck, the Interstate Commerce Commission, or ICC, conducted a simple investigation into the causes of the accident. In August, it released a seven-page report, made up mostly of pictures. It found that the number four train was on the track at Dutchman's Curve, when it should have been waiting at shops for the number one train to pass. The crews on both trains were experienced, so that probably was not the reason for the crash. And the crew on the number four train had been working for less than an hour at the time of the crash, so it is not likely that the crew was fatigued due to long hours on the train. Though it was not clear why the number four train kept going, some people guessed that the engineer missed a signal at shops or thought the switch train was the number one. The ICC did make some recommendations for improvements in operation. It suggested that trains should have to confirm with the dispatcher whether the train with precedence had arrived and proceed only if they got the go-ahead, or that they should proceed only if they were given the official order. The ICC also suggested implementing a block signal system where signals tell an engineer whether a block is clear and making the train cars steel instead of wooden. Though the wreck was devastating, it did not get a ton of attention in the press. In the years after the Great Train Wreck of 1918, automatic block signaling and train control systems became mandatory safety measures. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to learn more about this topic, you can listen to an episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called Great Train Wreck of 1918. The link is in the description. Get more notes from history on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 